Yay! Hello! Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're it, back. We are back. It's Sad Intellectual Hotties. And you know us by now. I'm Cassandra. This is APOC. And we're going to talk about kink today. The wisdom of kink. We are. That is the title of the episode. I'm very excited about this. One thing I would like to acknowledge first before we jump in is that this whole time, secretly, we've been having an amazing producer working with us and... That is our wonderful friend Joe, and maybe we'll talk to him today. We'll see. We might at I some like point. Talking to Joe, it's weird having I like, him in the room and not talking to him. Totally, I like the idea of um, posing questions to Sir Joe. Hey! Hey! Woo! Yes, he's here. Cool. So um, let's let's just jump right in. Apoc and I have been cultivating our relationship skills in our own personal relationships and then doing experiments in our own personal relationships. And equals one experiment. Our friendships and with each other and with our partners and, and all this. And I think we've discovered a lot of cool things. And that's sort of turned into us wanting to support people and do coaching. And I think that we've created this really cool paradigm by which we, we come from with our coaching. And that's kind of, to me, what, what the inspiration for the episode is. The yeah, wisdom of kink. Baby, so I'm like, go off. Why are we? What, yeah. What are we here for? Yeah. This is like about? my new. I mean, this this is kind of like my new baby. I mean, I've got my notes here. Why do I want to do the episode? I think that there's just so many benefits in the kink world, and for many, the secret kink world, that vanilla people or people who are not part of the kink world or don't consider themselves freaky or kinky or sexually deviant in any way can can use i think there are a lot of tools and a lot of built-in structures because of the nature of kink and fetish that have to be there that vanilla people are missing out on and i think that it's hurting people's relationships i mean i would i mean the divorce rate is still terrible like nothing has really improved (laughs) when it comes to relationships and people staying together and people having not only even if they're staying together the quality of the relationship maybe isn't great or one person is feeling good and wonderful and one person is feeling like they're missing something or they're having to sacrifice. So I think that there's so much, there's so much that can be gained from using some of these tools. And some of the tools that I mean are pre-consent, which we have touched on before. And I think that we we're going to continue to kind of touch on how we can go about creating consent in our relationships in a way that is both sexy and safe and then uh, boundaries communication my my favorite thing that happens in kink is negotiation and then there's all this space for healing and play and experimentation and all this stuff that i don't think that there's a ton of space for in in kind of traditional vanilla relationships not always i think you you hit the nail on the head in terms of it's the like we're this isn't an episode about like we're gonna break down all the specific kink. it's not about the content of like kink or like what you're specifically into it's about the process of kind of like what it what it means to be involved in that kind of play which yeah. is what people call it and then the benefits of that that could be transferred to any relationship so we're not trying to convince you to be kinky or to like do kinky shit right. we're just trying no. to say like hey these are some things that are really prevalent as far as 
being in a sort of kinky relationship or in the kink community that like you could potentially yeah. benefit from if you want to like integrate that uh, attitude or these uh, structures or what have you into your life I think is what, yeah. we're, what we're going for yeah I mean I think that we've both been in enough dating situations and enough relationships at this point to have discovered some problems that seem to be common issues that many people have in their relationships and I have found solutions in in the kink world totally. not having anything to do whatsoever with specific acts that are considered deviant but yeah but other things interpersonal things frankly interpersonal skills yes should we should we define, define terms? terms yep i think it's time i think it's terms? time <laughs> so um kink in general i mean should we start with kink let's start with that since that's part of the For the sure. title yeah i think that kink is really any sex practice that is considered deviant or sort of extreme or really anything unusual outside of the what we consider traditional or culturally accepted norms yeah totally it's like uh it's not a i it's not a binary it's not no pink versus vanilla though no it's just kind of the easy way to talk about it sometimes but what's conventional changes all the time yes I mean, even just like things that are talked about in pop culture now that are like we're like super kinky and not like 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 for example like ass eating like was not a thing when i was in high school no and now it's like a thing that's wrapped about and talked about all yeah. the time yeah know? so it's a meme yeah it's a meme so if, and who, who's to say the actual um in terms of like statistically how many if more people are actually practicing that specific behavior or not but in terms of what's conventional or accepted the goalposts get moved around a lot but yes kink is just like deviant quote-unquote deviant non non-normative sexual practices you're getting off on things that like most people aren't practicing or, or doing yeah things that people think are weird yeah it's a non-normative thing and not in normal just having to do with stats more than like anything else just the number of people doing it yeah i would say yeah and when what weird is just usually just means it's outside of anything that we've experienced before it's just odd it's different Right. Um, and then fetish. And I think sometimes people use the word kink and fetish interchangeably, which is part of the reason why we're deciding to define a fetish is really just finding something that isn't genitalia sexually arousing. That's what I think it is. I mean, other than we could also talk about like the economic definition, but we're not going to today. No, I. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Fet yeah. Fetish. Fetish is just you're you're really aroused by usually like objects or body parts yeah. that aren't yes that aren't genitalia and that's kind of like your bag that's what you're like most most into so clothing items yeah i mean even to me with within that definition like breasts would be considered a fetish um a butt might be considered a fetish versus like an actual penis an actual vagina like those are those are like genitals Which i think it's funny because though because like a lot of like dudes self-identify as like tit guys or like ass guys but we don't really like say that they're like fetishes no no because like, i think that those fetishes are now part of what is what is conventionally accepted as sexually attractive or it's not deviant to like those body parts where exa for example feet is still considered deviant it is foot fetishes are still a thing yeah yeah even though i mean how feet aren't any weirder or whatever than boobs or a butt i don't really i get it <laughs> 
I mean, foot fetishes, I'm not really turned on by them, but I love kicking men, so I'm super down for it. Super down for it, stepping on dudes. Why not? Um, another with wonderful... Consent. Yes, with consent. Obviously, not because I think they're trash. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to pull it back to that. But for sure, because they want me to yes, step on them. Request. And then I was just thinking to paraphilia, should I say what that is real quick? Yeah, I don't know what that cool. is. Oh, okay, so... Um, I think paraphilias are actually kind of like the precursor to what we describe as kink. So paraphilias are more of like the clinical, the clinical term when they become like a, so in the DSM, which is like the Bible of okay. like diagnostic. So, so paraphilias of which I think there are only like eight now, technically, you, it has to be causing you a source of distress or like to oh. have like a paraphilic disorder. Okay. So like, like a fetish that has turned into an obsession that is getting in the way of your ability to like normally live life. Yeah. Or, and, or, you know, uh, so frauderism is one of them, like dudes who like to rub up against girls in the subway and that's like the only way they can get off. So uh, okay. pedophilia, right? So those things so come into non-consensual, non-consensual things. things. Gotcha. But I think exhibitionism disorder and, uh, voyeuristic disorder are still in there too but that has to do with that makes sense. clinical distress and then having usually non-consenting people involved so if you're like That's if your sexual bag is like becoming a problem for your a functioning and b for other people then you might seek the help of somebody to a professional a to help you out with that yeah like flashers you're like yeah, flashers yeah, yeah. and stuff exactly. okay that makes sense like that kind of exhibitionism because yes. yeah i mean i can see how as a as a pretty high scoring exhibitionist, mm -hmm. there are times when I'm like, "Hey, look at me, world!" And they're like, "We didn't want to see that, you know." And I'm like, "Oh, sorry, that was I was just trying to have fun, you know." Yeah, I get that. I totally get that. That makes sense. It's not a problem in my life, though. <laughs> I don't think. Do you have I have a problem? You'd like to talk about just flashing stuff? everybody? Are you flashing your tits. Flashing? All the time? No, not all the time. Just sometimes. I would do it more, but I I do care about. Society. what is approved what so is appropriate in given situations for sure so uh and vanilla i think vanilla was our was my third term that i wanted to cool. and then bdsm which some people don't know what that is either um so vanilla is a jargon term that comes from the kink community for people who are not into kink really for people who are following more of a normative sexual lifestyle Sometimes used pejoratively. For sure. I mean, any, I think that's the case though so with any countercultural yeah. community. In order to validate themselves, at this point in time, the paradigm has been in order for us to be okay with our identity, which has been shunned by like normative culture, we are going to speak about those people in a, you know, dehumanizing way. Kill all normies, etc. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's one of the reasons why I want to have an episode like this is because I want vanilla people. I want people who are living a more normative lifestyle to get to have some of the benefits of what the king people are getting without necessarily having to like go to the other side or like completely commit to like a kink identity or you don't have to buy a sex swing in your fucking basement. Like. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to start calling your boyfriend daddy or whatever. You can yeah. if you want. You can if you want. That's all the fun part of the fun, right? So then I think our our last definition and we may end up needing to different, define more things later is uh, BDSM, which is really what this is the name of kink 
kind of in general. Yeah, I would say it doesn't absorb all of kink practices, but it's definitely under the kink umbrella. Many. It it absorbs many. Yes. And, I mean, I think that most, uh, many normative people's, uh, non-kinky people's experience with BDSM was through the book Fifty Shades of Grey. (laughs) Probably. Which is really sad. Right. So, uh, bondage... Bondage, dominance, and sadomasochism. But there's two other um, bondage, that I forgot. So each, yeah, each like there's like three pairs. So there's bondage and discipline. Bondage, discipline, and then it's dominance, dominance and submission, and then sadomasochism, and that's the BDSM. And those are a whole bunch of other words that you can Google. <laughs> you can look it up. Pain play, power play, pain yes, play, and power play. Restraints, psychological power, power games. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and we're like just. I'll, I'll tell a funny story about my mom. Uh, when I. <laughs> I love that segue. <laughs> I was like, I just pictured her in my mind. I was like, wait, what? What? <laughs> what? No. Uh, well, some of you who have been following me might know that I talked mostly just about yoga and spirituality for the past 10 years, occasionally talking about feminist issues and and women's issues and things like that and being an outspoken, empowered kind of person. But I decided I wanted to start talking more about sex because it's fun and interesting and that's a huge part of who I am as a kinky, fun, kind of wild girl. And I... What was stopping me was my mom follows me on all my things, and she's a sweet Irish Catholic lady, and I just wanted to, before sharing this part of myself and and shifting my brand and my work, wanted to just tell her, like, give her a heads up, like, out of respect and love and whatever. She's my mom. I don't want to upset her too much. Well, it depends on... Sometimes I do, I'm sure, but... In that, in this case, I didn't, and so I called her up and told her, "Hey, this is gonna start happening, and we're gonna talk about BDSM and this, that, and the other." Trigger warning. (laughs) And she, she, I said, "Do you know what BDSM is?" And she was just like, "No, she didn't." Which I was just like, "Oh, perfect, great. You won't know half the shit that I'm talking about anyway." But then I and I said, "Okay, well, you've read Fifty Shades of Grey," (laughs) and she was like, "Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I know what it is because of that." Okay. And I was like, you know, unfortunately, the the wildly reference the wildly popular, a terrible reference, in my opinion, like a kind of extreme vanilla <laughs> version of of what BDSM is. But it was also a shitty, terrible dog. That's what I'm saying. That's what I mean by extreme vanilla. Yeah. Um, it wasn't. It's not kinky when the man is just being an abusive man. <laughs> As it happens. <laughs> That's just how everything is, right? Um, you can refer back to our past that episode for that. No, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, I mean, it, that was, for me, it was a funny, like, juxtaposition of, like, this sweet Irish Catholic mom and some of my, like, yoga followers and, like, that generation of sexual knowledge and then what I was bringing out to the world and all of the the emotional work that I had to do to get to the point of being able to, like, say this stuff and be on camera about it, you know, so... That's awesome. I, in this moment, am feeling very fortunate to come from a really kinky family. Yes! <laughs> Who jokes about, like, ball gags at, like, Thanksgiving dinner. I mean, like, I, I just forget that this is, like, a thing. That yeah. To... Yeah, my dad was just like, you're not going to do OnlyFans, right? Like, like <laughs> just like, or you're just, he's just like, be careful what you, like, post on the internet. But it's never like a, what is, you know, X, Y, and Z. Right, right. 
Yeah, no, we, I mean, I can think of one time when it was, I made it like really obvious to my parents that I had like recently had some rough sex. I had like a bruise on my arm Um. and someone was like, where'd you get that bruise? And I was like, from sex, (laughs) (laughs) basically, you know, and they're just like, oh, I I didn't want to know about that, you know, and it's just like, well, you asked, what was I supposed to say? Make up something. So that's a great contrast between your family and mine. Family of origin stuff. Yeah. It comes into play. I forget what a strange family I come from sometimes, so it's nice to be reminded. Well, it's it's sort of funny to me, and I think this might be a good segue for you were feeling a little bit apprehensive about my mission to bring these skills and this knowledge to the masses and to the people. Oh, yeah, I was being a little bitch. Um, Well, I feel like it's funny considering that you come from a household that sort of had a lot of it. Like, you've talked about the moral ambiguity and, you know, just just less prudish people being around you. Yeah. And it's funny to me that you would be the one who... So I want to hear why. You want to hear why? Yeah. Um, I had ambivalence about this pod and ambivalence about the mission. Just a... Because <laughs> for me, part of the fun of kink is it's fucking transgressive. Yeah, so totally. It's like, ugh, I'm like, I was like annoyed by, I, I get annoyed by myself. I get annoyed by other people, by how like, uh, how mainstream and like normative it is actually becoming. At least I, and I have to realize I'm on the West Coast. Like, yeah, yeah. Yes, you are. Whatever, obvious, like if that wasn't obvious but like um no we're in a bubble even people even my friends who like live in new york are they're like whoa crazy west coast girl i'm like oh oh okay yeah i didn't think that was crazy yeah so i i have ambivalence because it's kind of like no part of what makes part of what makes kink and the community and the practices themselves like part of it for me what makes it so special and hot and arousing is the fact that it's like it's off. It's a little. It's odd. It's not exciting. We're you're. It's subversive. It's, 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 exactly. Yeah. That's why. That's why people have affairs and why it's so fucking hot because it's yeah. a fucking secret mm-hmm. and you're not supposed to be doing it. And that's like one of. And then when someone actually leaves their partner to like be with the person they're having an affair with, it always fucking falls apart because it's not as hot anymore. It's less exciting. It's less exciting. So it's like I I do have my own like mixed feelings about. Mm, it's kind of like when. Um, People talk about, like, I hear people talk about this, and I kind of get it to some extent and agree. It's like um, when when people were fighting for, for gay marriage, there was a certain faction True. who were like, why the fuck would you want to, like, no, we're fucking cool. Why would you want to join the institution of, like, marriage or whatever? Like, why yeah. would you want to be, like, Which heteronormative? Is, yeah. Like, why would you want to, like, you yeah. know, we're, we're doing our own just leave us the fuck alone we're doing our cool thing over here trail, um, trailblazing yeah so i'm just being you know I'm i feel that being, it's not, i mean i feel that i, I the countercultural experience has been a huge part of my life i was huge into reggae and the reggae scene and and the weed smoking scene and the stoner scene and the countercultural scene that was with the punks and the hippies for a long time yeah. and believe it or not the punks and the hippies have a lot of intersect and they hang out which is hilarious they get annoyed by each other but it's really it's really funny but because it's like looking into a mirror more than (laughs) yeah yeah exactly but and it's it's a funny it's like two sides of that kind of dichotomy in a lot of ways but you know 
I think that when like when marijuana, when weed, cannabis came up for legalization, I at first I was really against it because it was it was fucking with my rebel identity, and I was like, you know, we're this is illegal and this is underground and this is part of the counterculture, and if we bring it to the surface, then that that ruins it. It changes changes it, it changes the meaning, it changes yeah. the identity, it changes all these things. So I agree with you on that hand I for like, sure. I like the idea of being transported and transcendent, transported from and transcending the mundane and so for me when things right. come to everybody you know yeah and it is and maybe it's just like, i'm too attached to my ego and my rebel identity or whatever but also i'm not that special and i'm fine I, and i do agree that there are a lot of things that kink does regardless of content and specific behaviors that could be beneficial to everybody and i'm I fundamentally, I want everybody to have a good time, and I want everybody to have good sex, and I want everybody yeah. to have good fucking relationships. I'm like, okay, fine, we'll do the fucking pod. Okay. <laughs> so I we'll share the secrets thing. and the wisdom. Some of them, yes. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, of course, on the one hand, as I said, because I appreciate being being a deviant person or considered deviant, and and I also, as somebody who does care about the middle path and wants to yeah. walk it, I think that this is a way to do that. Yes. And and really, ultimately, just my only real rebuttal, I think, here, other than the practicality or the pragmatism of it, is that there are plenty of kinky things that no one in mainstream is ever going to pick up and bring in. And I mean, 24 seven lifestyle collared, oh, yeah. collared submission and, and some, you know, some of the ass play thing, you know, there's a lot of really extreme um, actual actions and behaviors that I don't think will ever be main, like, yeah. mainstream. So I think that we can at least have, you know, yeah. that. Yes. I don't think they'll be practiced in a mainstream way. I think they will be accepted. I yeah. think they'll be acceptable forms that yeah. people can talk about. Without, yeah. You know. I don't think it will get ruined. And, I mean, there's also that, the idea that if, if we're going to swing the pendulum all the way over into this, like, kinky side, then who, then who knows what sort of super vanilla things will turn it really erotic and titillating. Because That's actually already happening. Right. I think like the the trad life is actually becoming a little bit like what is the counterculture now if you're especially online and I think on the coast it's like if you're like a if you're like a religious like traditional person in some ways that's becoming like almost its own like counterculture. radical thing yeah it's own radical well thing, sure well I mean yeah I mean in opposition to um queer non-heteronormative the popularity of that trend Yes. And lifestyle, and it's not necessarily a trend, but I think there is some trend aspect to it as far as, like, the popularity and the pri- the trying it on that's happening yeah. a lot, especially in the younger generations. Yeah, having having a morality, having standards, being a little boring and dull and difficult is actually, I think, becoming its own kind of, like, little mini counterculture thing, which is always great. I mean, I, I don't think that it's a bad thing to... I, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. No, totally. I guess is like the best phrase to round it all up. Like there are lots of things about traditional lifestyles and traditional marriage and and heteronormativity even that like are working very well and have worked for many many years. So I'm certainly not like no, saying saying no. that we got to throw it all out. 
what I'm like integrating things. Yeah, I just I just want there to be more more um, options. I just want there to be more options for people. Like the 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 options tend to be so. I could either sleep with this prostitute and do these weird, sexy, nasty things, or I could go home to my frigid, like there's no, my frigid <laughs> partner, like there's no in between of, and and to me, the integration happens in a conversation. Yeah, totally. With yourself. And with with yourself your first, and then with your partner, and then with yourself, and then, with, you know, it's the, it's that coming, coming apart and being alone, and then coming together, and then doing that whole dance, right? Yes. Part of part of the polarity and part of the intrigue. I don't want to move my face away from the microphone too much. But um, so, I mean, I think that as far as the wisdom of kink, to bring it back around to the content of this pod, rather than the lead up of this pod. Um, rather to our rambling? Yeah, what, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think that there are a lot of things that are missing from, you know, a, a normative vanilla sexual experience or relationship that are happening. And I think that there are lots of solutions. So just to, to say it again. Um, and one of those things is maybe we could just talk first about consent. Sure. Or what were you thinking I was going to say? No. I, You're good with that? I, I had no preconceived <clears throat> notion. You're, you're steering the ship here. Well, consent is such a hot topic right now and it is really trendy in a lot of ways and I think that the pendulum has swung from from there not being a lot of consent or all the responsibility being put on the uh, initiator to achieve consent to to the other side where every moment has to be consensualized every Contractual, every verbally every yeah and it's and it's trans very transactional because of that yeah which i hate yeah well it takes the sexiness out of it it takes the fluidity out of it the flow gets yes. gets changed it's not necessarily that there isn't a flow but it's not it's not a flow that is necessarily conducive to um eroticism no not for me at least well, <laughs> and I think not for a lot of people. Yeah, and we talked about this a little bit last episode, but I think that there, are, some of the answers are in found in kink, and I think some of the answers, of course, are also found in in educating ourselves on how to be more emotionally intuitive in general or emotionally intelligent in general. Yeah, and, you have to know what you you have to know where you're at and what you want, and you have to be able to find some ways to communicate that. And I think that that's a big thing that kink does really well is like you have to get really clear through through trial and error and experimentation or any other things with what you're into and what you're not into and if that's from from day to day or moment to moment even and being able to communicate that not necessarily and not even necessarily verbally which i think is one of my favorite or not necessarily verbally in that moment but it could be negotiated beforehand or there's nonverbal consent cues in King yeah. that are also a good time. I think that for the purpose of what would be helpful here, I would like to frame most of this advice or this invitation to people who already have some sort of established relationship because I think starting a relationship and the the consent issues that occur there in dating are different than what I want to talk about here when it comes to okay. like like we've already agreed that we're going to kiss we've already agreed that we're going to touch we like each other there's an agreement that we're going to continue this and and the physical intimacy is part of it so cool like you know what i mean um so in that case when it when 
when people are in relationship, there isn't, my experience is that there isn't a whole lot of what do you like? Do you like this? I like this. Are you into this? There's not a ton of that. And of course this varies from person to person. And depending on if people like dirty talk and maybe that's part of the lead up for people to talk like that to each other. Yeah. There's not a lot of that before sexual acts occur. Totally. And, and, you know, in my experience of being a mostly straight, hetero person, it it might not ever occur. And it also might only occur during the act. Yeah. Not before. Mm-hmm. I mean, I literally remember one of my boyfriends, we were having sex, I was on top, and he asked me while we were having sex, oh, do you have orgasms easily? Like, as if that was, like, a, a question to ask, like, then in that moment. And I was I was younger in my early 20s, and this was, I mean, this was, I didn't always pick the greatest people, and this was the first time I ever had someone even ask me about that, mm-hmm. let alone during sex. So then it was, like, this, for me, in the moment, I felt like, oh, so I have to come now. Like, oh, I have to, yeah. like orgasm now oh it was like a it, it was it like was so like are a, you are, like are, pretty are, are good you pretty at this close? are you like, yeah and it felt it like i felt like there was pressure mm. to like perform my from like i was having a good time yeah and um it it would have been cool if we had talked about that before the actual moment yeah and in in kink there's a setup there's a there's a full structure where there's the pre-planning and the negotiation and and then yes limits boundaries safe words what am i into what am i not into what are the boundaries of our relationship as far as yeah you know i mean even in in like kink you and i who aren't in any sexual relationship could have a scene that doesn't include actual sexual things no. it could include just rope tying or mm-hmm. just spanking or just whatever without there being like any rubbing of you know parts yes <laughs> am i turning you on are you getting excited by Slightly. this <laughs> i'm just Sweet saying like that's old. that's not like that's not necessary to like a kink scene per se but we're talking about scenes that hetero people would set up and probably they are going to be sexual or like as far like piv penis and vagina like rubbing that kind of thing might happen yeah most 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 straight vanilla hetero people are not talking about what kind of experience they want to have they're not directly having conversations about like this is what i like they're not asking other people what they like they're kind of just like doing the normal things and trying stuff discovering stuff like slowly over time through trial and error and it's own, it, that's its own thing but it's a lot of guesswork and it's a lot of like assumptions and i mean in my experience which is mostly with men um men painting with a broad brush here do it's like some direction they like sure they it's hard it's it's hard putting them in a position where they have to they guess. have to try to guess and like read your mind and then it's a lot harder to make female bodies women come than it is for men so if that's an experience you want to have and most men want to give you that experience but it's like there isn't a conversation about what turns you what on like if like if like what yeah. turns you on throughout the day like how do you like to be flirted with how do you like to be talked to like what do you like when i do that like all of those like none of those things really get like no one talks about the experience they want to have i think often they're just kind of naturally having the experience and then hoping that it goes the way that they want and often people have really actually in their minds 
specific things that they fantasize about or they have expectations about what they want date night to go like and then as soon as the person across from you that you actually love isn't ticking all of the boxes then you're like disappointed or you're anxious or, or they're and yeah or you're not having a good time at worst you think you, we make up things like they don't care about me because they didn't do this oh, they yeah. don't love me because they didn't do this they're not being considered of me because they didn't do this they yeah. were rude you know um and the third piece of the structure of well maybe we only went to the first the planning and then the actual scene and then the last piece which i think vanillas possibly do the worst at is the aftercare Mm. uh i mean how many how many women and how many times have i been this woman have been upset about the way a guy behaves immediately following what usually ends a scene in heterosex which is the guy coming like what like he didn't cuddle with me afterward he just got up and walked away he you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. which that would be aftercare and, and there's no discussion of what is expected. And then usually like, oh, he just got up and walked away. He doesn't care about me. He's just using me. And it turns into this whole like meaning making storytelling thing that isn't necessarily even true. Whereas in kink, there's a discussion about what I want, you know, after we, after you spank me a bunch of times or whatever, what what's going to happen? What's going to signal that it's over? And then how are you going to make sure that I feel safe and well and good yeah. after this like stimulating experience totally none, yeah none of that happens that is also true i think that doesn't happen a lot of the time and often it is like men go through different chemical processes right exactly and so yes they get, a lot of times they're sleepy yes. and they just want to like and then it's a very even for me like it's a very intense transcendental sometimes crazy thing and like after all of that closeness you actually kind of want some people want a little separation i do want to have, yeah I, I learned this about myself yeah, I I need sometimes Jay will want to look like just like jump into the next task, and I'm like I need like yeah five to ten minutes to just like and I just tell him that and he's like oh cool and then we'll just like yeah. fly around. I get like, really whatever. dumb after a, after like a few orgasms. Like I become really really dumb and like space. Like just, just like, like I'm just hi I'm kind of dumb now, <laughs> and I mean of course my husband loves that because then you know. If he hasn't finished or anything and I'm like in this kind of dumb wet state, it's like great. Yeah. This is this is so fun. But I also, yeah, don't expect him to jump up to take a shower or do a task right away. That's not going to happen. And and I what I do like is just like a hey babe, I love you and a kiss, but I don't want you to be like up on me or yeah. like in my face or anything. Yeah, so it varies from person to person. Very much. And so if you're not telling people what you want and just hoping that they give you what you want which is not really what happens in kink you there 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 aren't assumptions especially because you're often doing high risk things right so there has to be conversations and so but yeah people in normal relationships could benefit from just being i think more direct or more making more requests and all of those things yeah and getting actually clear on all, all, often, and I, and this happens to me too, and so maybe I'll say I think it happens a lot, maybe more for, for women for different reasons, but all you know is that you're fucking upset and you're just emotional and yes. you just didn't have the experience that you want. Yes. And being able to translate that into like, okay, what men often don't know what to do with that. And I get it because it's not useful. They just have an upset, anxious, sobby, whatever mess in front of them and they're yeah. just like, what the fuck did I do? And it's like often 
women aren't able to go to the next step, which is like, okay, that's not what I wanted to happen. I wanted things to go differently. What would it concretely look like right. for me to get what I want? And yeah. how do I then communicate that to the person in front of me? Yeah. And I think that that would be really, really helpful for a lot of people. Yeah. Other than just, they just kind of stop with the, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I didn't I'm have a good happy. time. I didn't have a good time. And then that's kind of like yeah. the end of, and then just sharing that just makes, you know, then everybody just feels shitty and there's no way forward. Yeah, it's, it, then something, there's a trigger, the other person feels rejected, whatever. It turns into a little spiral, it's a, mess. a little it's toxic shame spiral. Yes. Um, I, I, so I thought about something that happened to me when I was young, much younger and having a sort of unsatisfying sexual experience with my boyfriend at the time mm-hmm. where we would have sex and, he would come and then it would be over and I was like obvious I was still horny because it was like I wasn't like I didn't have a good time but I didn't get what he got from Mm. that experience and I one time sat him down and I was like hey I want you to go down on me and I'm gonna give you head and then you're gonna come and then after and then I'm gonna go down on you after that and then you're gonna fuck me and then I'm gonna come and he was like I'm not a machine like I'm not gonna do this (laughs) there's not gonna be two times for boners here or whatever and like I see the maybe impractical, I was like 19 or something at the time. I was trying to solve a problem and I was trying to say what I wanted to do. And he was like, that's not possible. And so for me, for a long time, I just thought that meant that I couldn't have what I wanted to have. Mm -hmm. Like it was just not possible. Mm -hmm. You know, of course I was sleeping with a guy who was 19. who was just, you know, kind of getting his rocks off pretty fast. Because he didn't really have any other skills, right? You know? But I think it's possible that there are times that women have an experience of asking for what they want and they they get denied or they get told that they're wrong for it or or it just doesn't happen or or the person gets really hurt by the request. So, I mean, it's not to say that people aren't trying to do this or having these these conversations. It's just I think what happens is if it doesn't work out the first time, we don't try again. Yeah. <laughs> and and in, in kink, the whole idea, what the, what the big thing that you wanted to bring up was mindfulness, mm-hmm. which I think goes really well with also like playful, playfulness and experimentation. And I think that that's, which also goes with rejection tolerance and rejection skills and learning how to separate our identity from someone not liking an act that we've done or mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah, totally. Do you want to talk about how kink helps with mindfulness or how mindfulness practice is such a huge part of that? Considering that we're yoga instructors and a lot of our people are yoga people currently, I think that's a cool tie-in. Yeah, I mean, um, aside from I just think that a lot of people are drawn to certain kink practices just because um, it's hard to be anywhere other than where you are when you're having an intense high-risk, high-stake experience. Yes. Um, so there's kind of uh, just in the kink world mindfulness built in, but also um, I think that when you're dealing and I and I mean I I guess I just had this this realization like especially when you love someone and you're a rela- you're in a relationship with somebody I mean you know you don't have to be doing anything particularly insane or kinky for it to still be a high stakes situation I mean emotionally these things do feel for a lot of people like sex is like a high stakes like thing and so bringing some aspect of of mindfulness of 
observing without judgment of being present and in the moment of being able being being mindful of what's happening with the other person's body language their verbal cues if you've decided upon those you know all of those things just not having it be having it be a playful experience and an experimentation and not a fucking race to not a performance not a race to the finish line though sometimes you know there's there's that can be fun that can be fun whatever but the aspect of the aspect of mindfulness to me just comes up a lot in kink practice and yeah because i just don't think you can be good at it or have a good time with it if everyone involved is not being mindful yeah i want to um really quick break down what we mean by mindfulness or what I mean by it. And what I mean by it is having, is practicing some form of metacognition, which is, which is the observer perspective, which is bringing, separating oneself as the observer versus as the emotions themselves that are moving through, as the thoughts themselves that are moving through is a disidentification with things that are temporary, like emotions and thoughts and even body sensations and being able to watch them occur versus say, I am that, or get caught up in a thought process and attach oneself to it. Mm. I think that's what mindfulness is, or that's one way of describing it. So in yoga, we do it a lot just for meditation. It's literally like we say things to ourselves, like I'm not my body, I'm the liver in the body. I'm not my thoughts, I'm the thinker of the thoughts. I'm not my emotions, I'm the feeler of the emotions. And so that, creates that separation to where then we can start to be playful and experimental because then we can we can watch things occur without getting ourselves so caught up in it because it's not our identity anymore yeah yeah i would say that that's that's helpful especially in the pre and post and maybe even during i i like a little bit of being lost in the moment and being for me a lot of the mindfulness too is but maybe that has to do more with being a sub um being 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 present with the feelings and just having them be whatever they are and it's not like a I don't, I don't yeah, know that, yeah, I don't know that I'm practicing you still metacognition to... during sex is okay what I'm sure so I guess what I mean is is it's not that you're not allowing yourself to feel the emotions. It's just that you're not saying, instead of, it's versus I feel sad versus I am sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's all, that's all I'm, that's, that's what, that's my, that's the distinction that I'm just making yeah. as far as that goes. Yeah. Totally. Being fully present in a sensation in the moment doesn't mean you're not being mindful. Yeah, no, that's what I think it means. Yeah. For me. Sure. Yes. And totally. There's there's observation. Yeah. There's observation without judgment. There's attendance to sensation. There's you're not future. You're not future tripping. You're not thinking about the past. You are in the moment that you're in. And so, and this is just for and for anybody having sex. I mean, that's that's like a huge part of a lot of you know quote unquote sexual dysfunctions is your inability to attend to the present moment. Yeah. You are so worried about. Totally. For dudes, it's a lot of like if you're going to be able to get it up or not, and you're yeah, or like, stay hard or whatever. It, and you're like just like, ha sure. and then you're just like not noticing like the hot person that you're like interacting with. Like, and for women, it's like, am I going to begin? Am I going to get wet? Am I going to be able to come? Sure. Why am I not turned on right now? Like, all so a practice of of mindfulness. I mean, I think that they've done some studies on this. They're, I think they'll do more. But where people who practice kink just have more dispositional mindfulness in some ways but mindfulness is a thing that you can practice and yes become better at and i think that yes. will make 
your sex life better, a huge, a huge uh, current treatment for any sort of female sexual dysfunction. There's a scholar named Lori Brado. If you're a woman who's like wanting to have better sex and feels like there's something wrong with you, you're not having a good time, um, she wrote this really great book called Better Sex Through Mindfulness. And because, you know, women don't have like a pill that they can take to like make that, you know. Right. And so that's like one of like the frontline treatments for for not being as orgasmic as you want to be or not being as aroused or feeling as like much desire as you want yeah. to have and it often has to do with anxiety anxiety will fucking yeah. kill your sex drive i like, if i can so that's the only about. yeah yeah i mean that's the only reason why if i'm not getting wet and i'm definitely attracted to the person that I'm going to hook up with, it's because I'm upset about something else. <laughs> because I can't about, be present. About work. You're yeah, about, it's work. Yeah. Usually, for me, we're, you know, yeah. um, the Capricorn in the house, I'm like stressed about my business or something. And yeah. then I can't fully allow myself to, like you said, just be in the sensation. Yeah, and I think that like um, something Kink does too, like you were talking about planning and um, having the scene and then the, yeah. the aftercare if you're not doing the structure four seven. Yeah, the structure. Um, I think that a lot of uh, vanilla, whatever, a lot of people in your average relationship are just like waiting for sex to happen spontaneously, yes. and yes. they're just like, oh my god, like they just. And I get, and I and I get that That's desire fun. to want that it's to wonderful. happen. It's wonderful, but people are so anti mindful planning or creating a scene yeah. or a mood like intentionally like the way that you would I'm a gonna party cook, yeah I'm gonna cook a really good dinner for my partner tonight like there's a whole experience around that where you're going to the grocery store and you're buying the things and you're thinking about it and you're like you're creating a whole like mm-hmm. ambiance but like people just refuse to do that for their sex lives so true they don't want to have any sort of they, they're just hoping and praying that they're just gonna like which happens early on in relationships and it's fun that like you're just like when you're in a relationship I'm just gonna like walk through the door and you're just gonna be like ready yes, to go like, ready to go ready to go and there isn't that that mindful cultivation of like an experience yeah. around sex like of yeah. a date night or of like you know well I think also in some ways tell me if this is not your experience both and this is, I'll, I'll speak specifically from a heteronormative place because that's the place that I'm speaking from, <laughs> is that the, the I don't know exactly what the man's doing to prepare for a sexual, a po- the possibility of a sexual experience, but I do know that as like a kind of a femme cisgender f- woman, there's a lot of prep work and a lot of forethought that happens and goes into getting ready for the possibility of sex to happen you don't know if it's going to so that's exciting but also it's super disappointing if it doesn't happen yeah totally (laughs) and and it can feel like a rejection or whatever else but so it's almost like there's a secret preparation that occurs that we're not even supposed to like tell our partners that I spent the past two hours shaving myself or whatever, so that we can. So I shaved they, my legs for this. I, I, yeah, and they yeah. Don't know. They're just like, why are you upset? And the money that goes into it and everything else to get ready versus like having that upfront knowing, like, hey, we are going to like let's get together tonight and let's like create this really amazing sexual experience together. Then, sure the element of surprise is can feel like it's gone although i think in most good sex setups and scenes there's plenty of surprise that can occur there's 
even then you still get to anticipate you still you know for sure you're gonna have sex like that night or whatever and then you can still get ready and you can still be excited and you can still get and then without the the you know let down or the resentment that can grow from that yeah from that disappointment from your secret expectation yeah that i mean that totally happened to me when when fabian and i were first gonna when we first like we had to wait 60 days after this program in order to have sex and on the 60th day or the 61st day i showed up at his house and i was like so ready i was like okay we're gonna have sex this is gonna be great and he was just like ah pressure and expectation again yeah and he he definitely and i felt really rejected and he was just like no i don't want you to go anywhere i don't want you to leave i want to be with you but like this i don't like how contrived this feels oh okay yeah so he was kind of fighting against this pre-planned kind of thing but we didn't really pre-plan it because we didn't have a lot of these tools and these conversations so he kind of wanted to throw off that pressure and i could see actually even just from this story how even in like kink scenarios there could be pressure if you pre-plan something for something to go a certain kind of way right but i mean we eventually did have sex we're married now but um (laughs) Well, I think I think that's where a playful, experimental, like you're you're creating a um, you're creating a container and an opportunity. You don't necessarily have to create like a play by play. And unfortunately, I think for men sometimes it's like the pressure of it can be, you know, like my performance, fuck, my dick better work kind of yeah. like stress around a yeah. situation. And so that's a cool thing that I've always loved about kink too, and that I like introducing into my you know sort of heteronormative like relationship. Is I'm just like. Sometimes I'm like, dude, I don't care about your dick. Like, I don't care about <laughs> your dick right now. This is about me. There are, like, a slew of other things that, yeah. you know, and that helps, like, take the pressure off. Because right. it's just, like, you know. I don't care King, if you're King hard offers, the whole time. Yeah, King offers, like, so many. Yeah. It's, like, such a wider menu of, like, experiences that you can have that are pleasurable rather than just, like, all right, we're amping up for the main event, and the main event is the dick going in the pussy for, like, hopefully a extended period of time. I know, like, wah, just, like wah. I don't even, like, care. For long that. enough. <laughs> long enough, but not too long, okay? That's also really, yeah. I feel, like, I feel like the idea that some men have in their minds of, like, how long they want us to, like, experience, like, penetrative sex is actually, like, a lot longer than most women want. Yeah. To we don't want it too short, but we don't want it too long. No. I mean, our things, you know, the mechanics at a certain point get a little tired. Fr- enough friction over time, yeah, if we're yeah. not, like, re-lubing or so true. taking a little break or something. So or true. happening, but yes. That's really funny. And, and... And I think there are plenty of couples who, if they don't ever have that conversation and they're afraid to breach that topic of, of when is a quickie okay? Yeah. When is, when do I want to, as a woman, for me, like there are times when I'm like, yeah, I definitely want to have an orgasm. So like, we're going to make this happen today. Yeah, totally. And then there are times where I'm like, I actually don't really care. And I actually like, I'm having fun connecting with you, but I don't want this to last very long. Yeah, <laughs> there's like, like have, that whole, I got shit to do. I yeah. Time yeah. <laughs> there's a whole range of, of possibilities and, and I know from talking to different couples that uh, that there are like women who want to have more sex, and then the partner, the husband, is like, "Well, I don't want to just hit it and quit it sometimes because mm. I don't want you to feel like I don't care about you." And then she's like, "No, I totally want you to do that sometimes," but that conversation never would have happened if if one partner wasn't brave enough to at least say, "Hey, this isn't working for me." Yeah. Yes. Which I feel like is is kind of the premise of this whole, this is the wisdom. The wisdom is that someone's got to be brave and that people, kink, 
participation in kink and following that structure that we outlined, for example, you know, planning, scene, play, the experience itself, and then aftercare requires somebody being brave enough to say, hey, let's, do you want to do this with me? Yeah. What can we do? What do you like, not like? This is what I like. This is what I don't like. And then, and then seeing what happens and and so it's bravery not just physical bravery maybe to try something that you haven't tried but but emotional bravery is i think the really big the big kicker in all of this yeah i think people who practice kink or who are in that community like you were mentioning earlier have a higher uh rejection tolerance it's like yeah just because you want to have a certain experience it is a negotiation doesn't mean that like the other person's necessarily feeling that Mm -hmm. on that day or just is that's not what they're into and it's not like a personal attack on your attractiveness or your sexual virility or your personhood or whatever the or that you're a bad person or a good person or anything it's it's nothing like that and so yeah of course by stating your desires you're opening yourself up to you know they may or may not be able to be met in particular in that way on that day all of those things and you still get to like have have them and try to negotiate for what you want and often if you're in a fucking relationship with somebody, they want to meet you halfway. They want yeah, to have a good time. A and, lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, if, if there's a mutual agreement that we're both going to participate in a way that will bring collective enjoyment, yes. Yeah. Which I think that on the surface, everyone would say, yeah, there is that. But, you know, there's lots of things that get in the way of that being true. Yeah. On the unconscious level. That, and yeah, and those things should be, like, ironed out. That's mm-hmm. not gonna, like, not just pretending that that's not the case is not going to, like, make for a better time. Then everyone's just like, okay, well, I guess I'll just, you know, keep getting this same. Like, if you want something different, <laughs> you have to do something different. Yes. And they talk about that in Slaw, I think, Sex and Love Addiction or whatever. But it's like, it's true. It's like, a, it's a true statement. It's just like, for, for anything, really. It's just like, if you want to have an experience different than the one you're having, you have to do something different. And the first thing that you try that's different might not yield the exact result that you want, but you're moving in, a, in, yeah. a, in the right direction. Yeah, I would say that, I would say, and this is kind of like, I speak from experience in this, is that the first time that I step outside of my comfort zone and really try something different that feels emotionally brave to me that feels scary the first time I do it often it the outcome is not what I wanted the it doesn't always immediately work there are plenty of times when it does and in that usually for me that happens more when it comes to sales or business or 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 stretching in that way with my mindset but when it comes to relationship and sex there's there's another a variable and that is the other person's feelings <laughs> the other person's desires and the other person's this that and the other Sharper always said the problem is other people <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly like i could be emotionally brave and tell you what my kink is or tell you hey this isn't working for me or say hey i like you and i want to hook up with you and that could feel like a huge breakthrough for me to even do that because it's so far outside of what I ever would have done before and putting myself in this vulnerable position to be rejected. And then I could, and I, it's likely, frankly, I think just mathematically that you will get rejected. And, but I think the, the value in that is being like, okay, it happened. The worst case scenario occurred. I am now mortified. I'm now embarrassed because I got rejected. <laughs> well, that's me. But but now I know, okay, well, this, the way I was being about that, I wasn't being that confident there. So maybe mm. next time I'll work on that. 
or the way I said it, you know, and I think that maybe came off weird and, and maybe I'll say it different next time or, hey, this person actually isn't a good match for me. Mm, <laughs> and so yeah. this is actually fine. I just discovered that. Totally. So now I'll try again and do it another way and, you know, building that muscle. But unfortunately, unfortunately, going back to the playfulness, experimentation part of of this, the mindfulness part of this is that we sometimes are not immediately rewarded for our emotional bravery when it comes to like these interpersonal um, experiments. Yeah, totally. You have to find ways to positively reinforce yourself because sometimes, which is, you know, yeah. And, and I, that's why I, we talk about experimental curiosity a lot. And I think that like having just a spirit and attitude of that in your life is super helpful because, and sometimes like the thing that you say that you want, I've had this experience where oh God, I, think yeah. I, I think that, I, <laughs> so you think that you want something <laughs> from your partner or you think that you want to have a certain experience and you ask for it. And sometimes they'll, they're just like, yes, like, let's do it. Let's have this experience. And they're totally on board. And then it's actually not what you thought it was. Totally. You don't enjoy it as much as you thought that you would. And it's like, and then, and then you have to be responsible for, for that, for that. And that's just the way that shit goes. And that's fine too. And it shouldn't detract you from trying new things or experimenting with new things or making requests, but it's just like, everybody needs Mm -hmm. to be aware of what's expected and that sometimes shit pans out and like, sometimes it doesn't. And there's, yeah, always another fucking day until there isn't. I think the experimental, I totally agree with you. I think the experimental curiosity brings a, a delight regardless of the outcome of the, of the action taken. So, so, okay. I told this person that I like them and that I want to sleep with them and they, they were, they were not into it. They said, no, I could get my feelings hurt, have it ruin my day kind of go into an old pattern of letting it mean something about my value and who I am as a person or I could be like haha I did the thing and okay so they didn't like me back but like now I know and cool but now I can try this again and and actually this wasn't as bad as I thought it was gonna be and mm-hmm. and it can even be funny or fun to receive an outcome that's not what you wanted because my experience a lot of the time when I receive an outcome that's not what I wanted I was like oh I set this experiment up totally wrong <laughs> yeah, you know like we we just received so much other information yeah that makes it fun even if the experiment fails yeah like oh shit I thought I knew myself I thought I knew what was gonna happen and then like I took it's fun to take yourself and other people by surprise it doesn't always have to be just like the worst thing that ever happened to you and you can feel embarrassed if you want to but it doesn't have to be like a day week-long like shame spiral it's just like oh like I and it can be if that's what you need especially at first yeah sure Yes. I've had plenty of day, week, long shift spirals. Just saying, like, it's not like I bounce back right away all the time. No. You know. We're all, we're all, none of us know what the fuck we're doing. We're all doing it. We're all doing the practice. So, I mean, the point all around this, I think we're getting close to, to wrapping up, is that is really just, like, I think kink, and I think maybe we should just do a follow-up episode on, like, how, how healing kink can really be and, and some of the maybe we can talk more about the specific content of kink itself Mm -hmm. on another episode but there 
I guess my request or my invitation to anyone listening and people who are curious enough to even get to this point of the of the show is is try try stuff out open be open-minded consider being more direct with your partner consider setting yourself up to possibly be be rejected and even like planning to be rejected and see how that feels inside and set up a structured sexual experience with your partner plan it out play it out and then say what you want to happen afterward and try that on with even with within the the current um types of behaviors or types of actions that you're used to taking a a traditional kind of vanilla scenario you can do that if you're interested in creating something different from what you usually experience if you want to increase the quality try some of this stuff out do some experiments and i mean i want to hear about them so god that would be really fun yeah and like you said people are focused on frequency i think a lot where i think a lot of the time that doesn't necessarily need to change it's just like people want to be having a different richer more erotic experience and mindfully kind of playing with that and playing planning something fun out with your partner and like seeing how it goes i would love to hear some fucking success yeah your stories yeah i want to hear success stories i want to hear failures i want to hear wives being direct with their husbands about what they want to experience i want husbands being brave enough to to share their weird kinks with their wives like let's do it let's let's try all this out and and see what happens and and we're here for it (laughs) if you want support guidance love all that good stuff we're open for coaching as usual, and we've got some cool some cool content rolling out pretty soon. But I think that I feel complete with the topic. Yeah, I was. I feel also complete. Yay! Awesome! Great! Well, then in that case, you know where to find us on all of the things and all the handles. Yeah, all the, all the places. And this is Sad Intellectual Hotties. I'm signing off. Bye.